It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Colonel made no mistake in deciding for Ranald's quarters. They consisted of two rooms that formed one corner of a long, wooden, single-story building in the shape of an L. One of these rooms Ranald made his dining-room and bedroom, the other was his office. The rest of the building was divided into three sections, and constituted a dining-room, reading-room, and bunk-room for the men. The walls of these rooms were decorated not inartistically with a few colored prints and with cuts from illustrated papers, many and diverse. The furniture throughout was home-made, with the single exception of a cabinet organ, which stood in one corner of the reading-room. On the windows of the dining-room and bunk-room were green roller-blinds, but those of the reading-room were draped with curtains of flowered muslin. Indeed, the reading-room was distinguished from the others by a more artistic and elaborate decoration, and by a greater variety of furniture. The room was evidently the pride of the company's heart. In Ranald's private room the same simplicity in furniture and decoration was apparent, but when the colonel was ushered into the bedroom, his eye fell at once upon two photographs, beautifully framed, hung on each side of the mirror. "'Hello, guess I ought to know this,' he said, looking at one of them. Coley beamed. You do, eh? Well, then, she's worth knowing, and there's only one of her kind. Don't know about that, young man, said the colonel, looking at the other photograph. Here's one that ought to go in her class. Perhaps, said Coley doubtfully, the boss thinks so, I guess, from the way he looks at it. Young man, what sort of a fellow's your boss? said the colonel, suddenly facing Coley. What sort? Coley thought a moment. Well— would need a good education to tell, but there's only one in his class, I tell you. Then he owes it to this little woman, pointing to one of the photographs, and she, pointing to the other, said so. Then you may bet it's true. I don't bet on a sure thing, said the colonel, his annoyance vanishing in a slow smile, his first since reaching the province. Dinner'll be ready in half an hour, sir, said Coley swearing allegiance in his heart to the man that agreed with him in regard to the photograph that stood with coley for all that was highest in humanity john he said sharply to the chinese cook got good dinner eh pity good said john indifferently now look here john him big man john was not much impressed awful big man i tell you big soldier john preserved a stolid countenance 
john said the exasperated coley i'll kick you across this room and back if you don't listen to me want big dinner heap good eh uh-huh belly good replied john with a slight show of interest i say john what you got for dinner eh asked coley changing his tactics ham eggs lice answered the mongolian imperturbably gee whiz said coley going to feed the boss's uncle on ham and eggs what said john with sudden interest uncle boss eh yes said the unblushing coley huh coley heap fool get chicken quick meat shop small eh the chinaman was at last aroused pots pans and other utensils were in immediate requisition a roaring fire set to going and in three-quarters of an hour the colonel sat down to a dinner of soup fish and fowl with various entrees and side dishes that would have done credit to a new york chef thus potent was the name of the boss with his cook john's excellent dinner did much to soothe and mollify his guest but the colonel was sensitive to impressions other than the purely gastronomic for throughout the course of the dinner his eyes wandered to the photographs on the wall and in fancy he was once more in the presence of the two women to whom he felt pledged in ranald's behalf it's a one-horse looking country though he said to himself and no place for a man with any snap best thing would be to pull out i guess and take him along and it was in this mind that he received the honorable archibald blair m p p for new westminster president of the british columbia canning company recently organized and a director in half a dozen other business concerns colonel thorpe this is mr blair of the british columbia canning company said coley with a curious suggestion of ranald in his manner glad to welcome a friend of mr macdonald's said mr blair a little man of about thirty with a shrewd eye and a kindly frank manner well i guess i can say the same said colonel thorpe shaking hands i judge his friends are of the right sort you'll find plenty in this country glad to class themselves in that list laughed mr blair i wouldn't undertake to guarantee them all but those he lists that way you can pretty well bank on he's a young man for reading men yes said the colonel interrogatively he's very young young for that matter so are we all especially on this side the water here it's a young man's country pretty young i judge said the colonel dryly lots of room to grow yes thank providence said mr blair enthusiastically but there's lots of life and lots to feed it but i'm not going to talk colonel it is always wasted breath on an easterner i'll let the country talk you are coming with us of course hardly think so my time is rather limited and well to tell the truth i'm from across the line and don't cater much to your royalties royalties exclaimed mr blair oh you mean our governor well that's good rather must tell the governor that mr blair laughed long and loud you'll forget all about that when you are out with us an hour no we think it well to hedge our government with dignity but on this trip we shall leave the gold lace and red tape behind how long do you propose to be gone about four weeks but i make you a promise if after the first week you want to return from any point i shall send you back with all speed but you won't want to i guarantee you that why my dear sir think of the route and mr blair went off into a rapturous description of the marvels of the young province its scenery its resources its climate its sport 
playing upon each string as he marked the effect upon his listener. By the time Mr. Blair's visit was over, the colonel had made up his mind that he would see something of this wonderful country. Next day Coley took him over the company's mills, and was not a little disappointed to see that the colonel was not impressed by their size or equipment. In Coley's eyes they were phenomenal, and he was inclined to resent the colonel's lofty manner. The foreman, Mr. Urquhart, a shrewd Scotchman, who had seen the mills of the Ottawa River and those in Michigan as well, understood his visitor's attitude better, and besides it suited his Scotch nature to refuse any approach to open admiration for anything out of the old land. His ordinary commendation was, It's no that bad and his superlative was expressed in the daring concession, Aye, it'll maybe die, it might be war. So he followed the colonel about with disparaging comments that drove Coley to the verge of madness. When they came to the engine room, which was Urquhart's pride, the climax was reached. It's a wee bit of a place, and no fit for the wark, said Urquhart, ushering the colonel into a snug little engine room where every bit of brass shone with dazzling brightness, and every part of the engine moved in smooth, sweet harmony. "'Slick little engine,' said the colonel, with discriminating admiration. "'It's no that bad the new, but you should have seen it before Jem there took a hand to it, a wheezin', rattlin', patchin' thing that you might expect to flee in bits for the noise and the whame of it. But Jemmy sorted it till it's nay despicable for its size, but it's no fit for the wark.' "'Jimmy, lad, just get his fill, and we'll pit the saw into a log,' said Urquhart, as they went up into the sawing-room, where, in a few minutes, the colonel had an exhibition of the saw sticking fast in a log for lack of power. "'Man, yon's a lad that kens his trade. He's frae Glasgow. He earns his money's worth.' "'How did you come to get him?' said the colonel, moved to interest by Urquhart's unwonted praise. Indeed, just the way we've got all our best men. It's the boss picked him out of the gutter, and there he is earning his twa and a half a day. The boss did that, eh? said the colonel, with one of his swift glances.